The pungent scent of newly plowed soil hung over the small field. On the hills, dogwood and redbud blossoms glistened in the sunshine. Forest trees towered over hepaticas and spring beauties. Cardinals and indigo buntings darted about in the thick underbrush, while overhead a hawk hovered, searching confidently. The Kentucky woods were full of game in this spring of 1813. A man and a boy were walking across the field along a freshly turned furrow. The man, Thomas Lincoln, was of medium height and stocky build. His buckskin breeches were tucked into worn boots, and his homespun shirt was shabby. Strong hands were stained with the copper-colored soil, and his hair was uncombed. A bulging sack hung from his left shoulder. He reached into it at regular intervals for kernels of corn, which he dropped into the open furrow. The boy had heavy black hair like his father's. His only garment was a long shirt of Lindsay Woolsey that flapped against his skinny legs as he walked a little behind his father. "'Mind what you're doing, Abe,' the man warned. "'Pumpkins are nice, but I don't want too many vines a-crowding out the corn. You keep a-watching me and counting one, two, three between your plantin'. One, two, three. I dropped one, Pappy, the boy boasted. I'll not plant too many. See that you don't, Lincoln warned over his shoulder as they tramped on. At the end of the furrow, the man turned. We couldn't have had a better day for planting, he remarked agreeably. Then he spied the hawk. The woods are full of rabbits this spring, Abe. You and me's going hunting as soon as we get this field planted. Can't we go now? Abe asked eagerly. His father had been working in the fields for several days, and meals without fresh meat were monotonous. Not yet, Lincoln told his son firmly. And no use you're looking sour, Abe. You like corn pone, don't you? I sure do, Abe exclaimed, astonished at the question. His stomach, under his flapping shirt, had felt empty for an hour, and the field was not half-planted. The onlyest way we can get corn for meal is to plant it, Lincoln said. A four-year-old ought to know that. Now get to work. They started planting again. Thomas Lincoln spoke firmly, for he had to drive himself, as well as Abe, to do farm work. He much preferred making things. Thomas had had a dreary boyhood, hiring out to any farmer who would take him. When he was grown, he chanced to come to Elizabethtown in central Kentucky, there he met the carpenter, Joseph Hanks, who liked the youth and taught him the carpenter trade. In 1806, Thomas Lincoln married Joseph Hanks's niece, Nancy Hanks, and the young couple went to housekeeping in Elizabethtown. Thomas had plenty of work because he was skillful at his trade, and their prospects seemed good. But Lincoln found he did not like town life as well as he had expected. So after the Lincoln's daughter Sarah was born, he suddenly bought a farm a few miles to the south, near Hodgins Mill, and moved his family to the one-room cabin on the land. This place was known as the Sinking Spring Farm because of a deep-set spring which bubbled up from under great rocks near the cabin. Here on the twelfth day of February, in the year 1809, their son Abraham was born. Sinking Spring Farm was attractive to look at, but not a good place to live. The soil was poor, 
and the location was very lonely. So Thomas Lincoln decided to move again. His son was two years old before he found what he wanted, a good piece of land by Knob Creek on the main road between Nashville and Louisville. Nearly half this rich land could be farmed. 